Hello and welcome to Gaming the Podcast. Surprise, surprise, this week we are talking about Elden Ring and specifically we're talking about what choices the game offers the player, what choices we make and how those choices affect the overall experience. And fair warning, there will be some spoilers for the early game here, so avoid... Uh, well, turn off the podcast, I suppose, if you don't want to. If you don't <laughs> go want and play to, Elden Ring, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe go listen to one of our other episodes rather than just turn off the podcast. Oh, good idea. <laughs> um, okay, so, so we've both been playing Elden Ring, and I suppose the choices—the first choice that we're well, we're forced to make or given the chance to make—is our starting class. So. Mm-hmm. Do we go through those? What class did you yeah. pick and why did you why did you pick okay, it? Okay, so mine was and I you're gonna enjoy this, I think. Um mine was initially it started off by looking at the stats. Very sensible. What kind of game do I want to play? What kind of things what I mean, firstly, what stats are linked to what attributes, understanding that. What game do I want to play? What kind of what do I think is gonna be the build that I want to eventually level towards? So I did that, did the sensible stuff. So that led to things like um choosing a class with low starting faith because i decided i wasn't bothered about that side of it not that i wasn't going to want to do 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 spells but i wasn't bothered about like the faith-based spells um miracles and the like so um that narrowed it down initially and then i looked at some things like reasonably high dexterity um you know kind of middle of the road in a few areas to give me some choices so Mm. i was tempted to go with the wretch because that is a very literal you start at level one which means it's very cheap to upgrade your early stat points um, and it gives you a just a level playing field for all of your stats so you can choose where to take it but i didn't go quite that far um so once i'd narrowed it down i then started looking for thematic reasons as to why i might pick certain classes so i've ended up with the prisoner um and my prisoner is a female prisoner called Celine. And the narrative that I've constructed for myself is that this is the character from Returnal. She's got one orange eye and one blue eye. I've built her out like that in the in the uh, visual appearance. And that she has is now trapped. She's gone from being trapped in Returnal's eternal cycle to being trapped in Elden Ring. And that was that was basically the and it was like she's a prisoner. That makes sense. That was basically how I made the final decision as to how to choose my Elden Ring class. So Elden was Ring, that she's Returnal. Elden Ring and Returnal are now the same universe. Of gay. Oh, uh, like yes, in some way, shape, or form. Yep, Celine has gone from being trapped in uh, in Returnal's cycle uh, to to Elden Rings, and that was how I made my final my final choice. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say there probably aren't too many other people that have done a similar thing and based their their character on another video game. Um, but yeah, that was how I decided. So I'm the prisoner. I name Celine. She's from Returnal, um, and that is in more practical in a more practical sense. That allow, has allowed me to level a little bit for magic, which was a thing that I wanted to do this time. In a lot of the Souls games, I I don't know that I've ever done that beyond just dabbling with magic. Um, she's still much more of a physical attack-based class, but also has access to ma- magic from the off because you start um, with a with a wand or a staff. Um, so you can actually yeah. access access the magic right off the bat. Uh, it's the glintstone sorcery arm of magic. Um, so, yeah, so I've got a bit of magic for like ranged attacks, um, which typically are kind of how I start combat encounters. Mm. And then, um, yeah, like more physical attacks and they're sort of dexterity based attacks. So 
I've tried to build with like a rapier or a couple of daggers. Um, I'm not good enough to play just with a couple of daggers. Uh, I need I need some sort of way to block. Um, yeah, and that's that's kind of my very early experience has been based around yeah those kinds of key stat points and building out building out kind of a dexterity thing. Strength I've left pretty much alone. So that's my those that's my my class and my reasons for picking it. Uh, which video game character did you base your your starting class in Elden Ring on? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to say Pikachu or something, but it would be a lie. Pikachu be Pokemon is the answer. same world. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the, uh, so I'm the samurai mm-hmm. and some of the reasoning is, is similar actually. So I wanted um, something that was primarily melee combat rather than ranged or magic. Um, so the samurai starts with decent decks and then a decent spread between vigor, endurance, and strength. Although I don't really use the strength aspect much. I've just been leveling decks, um, and I'm sticking to the original swords that you get, the Uchi Gatana, um, which I've leveled up a very long way now. Um, yeah, I don't really have like a backstory for my character. Mm. I, guess, I don't know. He's like a fallen samurai, I guess, which is a tragedy. And his name is so tragic. That's his, that's his name. <laughs> um but really with the samurai is that one word or is that no, two, two words, words. so so space tragic. tragic okay yeah, so tragic so the family name um tragic. yeah um so um yeah so the <laughs> samurai has uh starts off with the sword starts off with shield starts off with a bow so the shield i've just given up immediately so i just don't equip mm-hmm. it i just i just um have two-handed with a sword or use the bow um uh that's it so i don't block ever i just always dodge i never i i well not never but i i don't ever plan on it as a as a route to success Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so yeah mine's all about uh getting in close you have to be close as well which i don't love because in the most recent souls games that i've played are um demon souls remaster and bloodborne and in both of those, I use longer reach weapons. So like mm. the lance or the spear or whatever it's called in Demon's Souls and the giant axe in Bloodborne, the, yeah. the, the yeah. huge one. Um, so I feel a bit more vulnerable with the samurai because you, yeah, you need to be much closer um, uh, to do serious damage with the sword. So it's all about getting in there real quick and then getting out again real quick, getting in, doing mm-hmm. some strikes um trying to make on bosses anyway that have enough hit points trying to get them to bleed because the sword causes bleeding Mm. if you cut enough times which can be devastating um and i've just started using the bow more because i can now equip arrows that cause bleeding as well so Mm -hmm. they so it all sort of layers and tears up on top of each other and you just try to it's like death by a thousand cuts basically yeah um so so yeah i mean yeah so we've chosen some I mean, the reasoning sounds like we've chosen some things for a similar reason, but we've gone in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and I've been well, and that's one of the many, the many, many choices, isn't it, that you make? Um, and I've had that. Uh, I'm still kind of. I think I'm about. I don't know, eighteen now, nineteen hours in ish. Um, which in Elden Ring, unlike a lot of the Souls games 
doesn't really put you at any particular point. No. And I think before Elden Ring, I would have said that about the Souls games. Like, well, you've got a lot of choice into which path you can take and where, which areas you explore. But you are, I think, the, the dispersion of the player base after, say, 20 hours is much wider here in Elden Ring because of the open world structure than it is in any of the Souls games, particularly something like Demon's Souls, where it's very much kind of spokes on a wheel rather than just a big open world. Um, so do you remember what were some of the early kind of the early experiences that you had, the early areas that you visited? Did you broadly follow the kind of main path? Is it a thing that you'd recommend? You know, do you have any sort of recommendations, I suppose, for people starting out as to whether they should hit the main path quite hard or go off and just kind of explore the, um, the land? I don't know. I, I thought I was doing the main path because, you know, when you get the Lost Graces, they have like the little stream that comes mm, off mm-hmm. of them that like shows you where the next one is. So I was, uh, I think that's what they do. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are a couple that split. And it's, oh, okay. Yeah, and then some of them just don't have any. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, so I thought I was following the main path, but people um so i only got the summoning bell recently after having defeated godric in the castle this is mm-hmm. when we get into spoilers but in in the castle yeah. after defeating him um that's when i got the summoning bell so i haven't used summoning at all so that's the last major thing i've, right. I've done in the game as of <laughs> as of recording um so yeah i haven't i haven't so i haven't used the summoning at all whereas other people that seems to be something that they've gotten immediately by following the main I path. I got it. So, yeah, really early. Yeah, yeah, really very, I don't know, first few levels, I would say, um, after getting uh, the ability to level up. Um, yeah, I went back to the church, the first church that you find at, at night. Uh, but that was coincidental. And yeah, that I've got that, and I've had that for quite a while, and I've used it, uh, you know, several times. It's not, it isn't like a mainstay of all boss fights. I don't think it's like, oh, there's a boss fight, let's summon this, because it takes, depending on which spirit summons you're using, it takes a lot of your FP, and so yeah. there are other things you can spend FP on. So it is still a, a, a choice, a decision to be made in the moment. But there's definitely some some points where I can see it would be useful or has been useful. As terms in terms of like an aggro thing, because you can summon the you get different spirit summons that might be like three wolves is one of the early ones you get, or a couple of skeletal warriors that resurrect when they've been killed, and or just a one off jellyfish thing that spurts poison. And thinking about choosing which ones of those to use, because you can only you only get to do it once in a boss fight, and then uh choosing which one of those to use based on like how the boss is behaving and how do I want them to be aggroed from, you know, multiple sources or what is, has been part of my boss fight kind of strategy, I suppose, mm. my, my approach. Um, so yeah, the fact that you haven't had that is, will have led to a different experience, but I mean, of course yeah. it's one of those, I, you can't know how different because you haven't been doing it. No. So. And I wonder even that, even though I've now have the ability to summon and I've got those two that you mentioned those are the only two I've got mm. I think the skeletons and the wolves um the skeletons I found somewhere the wolves I think I bought off someone um but I don't know if I would use that because the way that I've leveled up my character so I'm level 37 now and mm. vigor and dex are like mid 20s I think um and everything else is largely where it started my endurance mm-hmm. is a little bit higher so I can get some extra stamina and lighten up my equip load so I can dodge faster, which is important for me because I don't block. Um, but I use FP for 
this unsheath ability it's called which is a sword which is one of my samurai swords ability where he just does like a proper like seven mm-hmm. samurai like yeah. sheaths his sword on the draw. and then yeah. flicks yeah. it out and then um and then you can, that, that's really powerful and then you can do some extra extra attacks from there and each use of that only takes up a small amount of fp so i haven't increased uh, haven't increased mm. my mind um stat much to to get me more fp because i don't need it really because with bosses i can still get seven or eight of those off before i run out of fp so i don't know if i'd want to give up that and use the summons instead yeah Um, because i I do rely on that that ability quite a lot like when you're up close that's a great one getting close unsheath a couple more hits if you can afford them and then get out um but with summons i'd lose that ability to kind of rely on that Definitely, because I've got summons that take down over half my FP. I mean, I haven't leveled my FP massively, but I have a bit, and it's still taking over half my FP. So, and it's a gamble, of course, because and that's why, again, like in terms of the the choosing how to deploy them or in if you're going to deploy them at all, seeing how the boss is fighting, because often you can only you get a symbol up that says when you can use them, and often that is at bosses, yeah, but the there gate, will be the like gate thing. Yeah, the, yeah, and there will, but there will also be like quite densely populated en- uh, areas that have got enemies that you can use them as well. And I don't tend to, I tend just to use them on the bosses if, if at all. But that's why, like, viewing, like, observing how the boss is attacking and then deciding which to use is an important thing. Rather than it's not like summoning somebody in where you just do it right at the beginning and you go in there with them. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's a thing. It is a trade. It is a, a trade off. If you're going to do that, you have you have to accept that you're then yeah. choosing not to do other stuff, and that's, I mean, just that depth of choice in all of those. There's just a handful of anecdotal situations, but I feel like it's you and I are probably playing. We tend to play games generally in, I think, probably quite different ways. The games we choose to spend a lot of time in often are different games. And so we're, I imagine, playing this differently. And so but that, the fact that you can have a, you know, there isn't a, a right way of doing it, obviously. There isn't a valid way. It's just whatever you're enjoying. But I feel like that is far broader here than it has been in previous Souls games. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's a thing that I've been, I've been experimenting a lot and loving. And as I say, nearly 20 hours in, and I haven't even really decided what weapon I'm going with. A flower is one. A couple of daggers have been another. But... Yeah, I just haven't really got to a point of settling on something. Yeah. Um, See, I think I'm set now because my <clears throat> samurai sword is like plus eight, and my bow wow. is like <laughs> plus two or three. So, like, I'm not starting again leveling up a weapon. Yeah. Like, well, I think <laughs> my flat is only plus no, three. So, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah like no that's, chance. So, like, I'm, yeah. my character is really that sword, really, and then and they're just a yeah. bunch of hit points, and that's it <laughs> attached um, to it. Yeah, yeah. Although that's not true actually, because <laughs> yeah, because when because when I picked the samurai, um. Like I said, I wasn't planning on using the boat at all, really. And that's based on previous Soulsborne mm. games experiences where I never use ranged combat, be it bow or yeah. crossbow or yeah. uh, magic. Um, so I was really picking the samurai for the starting stats and the swords. Um, but I have been using the bow more than I thought I would. And like I said, more recently, because now I've got those bloods, um, whatever they are, I can't remember what they're called, blood tinged arrows, I think. Um, yeah. Anyway, and they, they synergize nicely with my sword. So, yeah, like the op- 
the options or the choices given to me by picking the samurai, I've plumped for some of those in a way that I never expected, that that I never intended yeah. to when yeah. I first uh, when I first picked that that class. And now I used the bow to whittle away the final hit points of um, Godric. But typically, I don't use it on boss fights because uh, I, I generally use it to just pick off or like, pick mm. off a single enemy in a mob or to weaken various enemies in a mob before attacking them with a sword. Because uh, I always feel quite vulnerable because I don't block. Yeah. So getting into a mob is quite dangerous for me. Um, and the sword doesn't have any like spinning attacks or anything. I can't like attack in a circle. So right. I need to be quite yeah. c- careful about where I'm aiming. So lowering an enemy's uh, uh, the mob's total hit points makes it much easier for me because if i can go in there and it only takes like one hit to kill everyone after hitting them with a bow then that's much safer for what my like sort of ability list is um there's definitely an ash of war that you could use there's a sweeping attack on a sword as an ash of war which is the things that you can get to apply to your Mm. weapons to make them do a certain thing when you press l2 which i presume is what your that's what unsheath unsheath it's the one that you start with unsheath right um but it's really good and i'm gonna need real convincing (laughs) to move Mm -hmm. away from that um i mean yeah the the fact that you've i mean that's what i've I've been just finding random things out in the world um or seemingly random you know i haven't some of these things like ashes of war particularly i haven't found as a result of a boss fight i've just found them either in a chest or you know a little Mm. mini boss or even some of those little um like beetle things that you kill uh that often replenish your flasks um will sometimes drop an ash of war so it's and i've just been kind of experimenting with that and equipping each one and i've really got in i think into the systems stuff and exploring what each thing means because there's i found somebody that was selling them and they sell a no skill one and i was like why would you want something that's no skill but i found that if you put that on a shield Normally, if you I know it won't apply to you because you're not using the shield. But if you normally, if you're using the shield, your L two um, at, attack defaults to parry because it's the shield. Whereas if you put no skill ash of war on a shield, it takes that away, and that means it defaults to your right-handed weapons uh, ash of war. Mm-hmm. So then you can still use that whilst you're using a shield. Oh, okay. So there's stuff like that that it's just like experimenting with things, finding something, wondering why knowing that there's a reason why everything exists. I think that's the that's one of the things I like most is trusting that there's a reason for everything and then like exploring that, which is why I've spent almost 20 hours playing it and I'm I've beaten Margit or Margit or however you pronounce <laughs> yeah. that. Um but that's it. I've kind of I've then just gone off exploring yeah uh and that's yeah it's one of the things that i've i've been that has really appealed to me the most about this particular game and it's it's why like i'm thinking about it even when i'm not playing it and that doesn't happen very often so i really want to go and play Elden ring right now mm. so um yeah just those that huge amount of that like invitation to explore and to experiment um has been i think a huge and i hope that means a lot of it, a lot more people will play it who have been put off by the souls games because there's just more choices if you've got if you're stuck on something just go somewhere else and do something else and don't worry about it don't bang your head against that brick wall too many times go somewhere else and just yeah see what else there is out there yeah like a common thing that i've heard from people is that um it's it's a more difficult game on an isolated basis so the bosses are some of the hardest bosses that there's ever been in from from a from software game 
but it's less punishing because you don't have to you're not locked mm. into just keep bashing your head against that boss until you do it you can just go and do whatever else and level up and earn some new items and and then that leads to a different and play the, style. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's not even like, oh, go away and grind and come back. I mean, that does happen because there's no scaling, but that doesn't happen. That's not why you're doing it. Or it doesn't need to be why you're doing it. You can find a completely legitimate alternative path somewhere yeah. that leads off somewhere else and into a whole nother bunch of quest lines. Yeah. Um, well, and it doesn't necessarily feel like grinding. Yeah. And it doesn't ever no, feel like grinding no. because you're off doing, it like doing things rather than yeah. just. Yeah kill this mob re, you know regenerate re, yeah respawn yeah, yeah. them out of grace and then kill them again and then kill them again. i did that in demon yeah. souls there was one point there's a there's a bit um uh where is it it's i can't remember it's, it's around where the tower knight is in uh, at the start of demon souls so there's mm-hmm. a bit you can farm yeah. there after you're like quite deep into the game and then you come back to that area and then you can farm some knights there and i, was, I just i, I remember mm-hmm. doing that like 10 or 15 times in a row and just like leveling up four or five times. It's like, okay, now I'm going back in and defeat that boss. Like you can do that here as well, but, yeah. but you don't have to. I do think though that... you sort. I think you sort of forget to... I mean, I, have, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like you kind of... Even if you have the intention of doing that, because there's so much in the world and the world is so densely populated, you might think, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And then that just leads you somewhere else. And then you... Oh, I'll just keep going for a bit and see what else there is. And you end up in a completely different area. Yeah. It can be quite um, overwhelming, stuff. that, because like mm, it feels like, mm. oh no, like I'm missing things, I've not fully explored yeah. this area and I'm moving away. Do you use those um, markers? No, on the map, I have. you can mark stuff. I have. So initially I was only using the beacons, which is just the, I think you press X yeah. and it puts yeah. a blue bit thing, column of light in the game world for you to follow, which is really cool. It's really useful for things like finding pieces of the map. Um, which you pointed out to me that like you have to look for those little obelisk things yeah. that you can still see on the map even when you haven't uncovered the map so like marking those as a point to work towards but yes then i've used the markers um which are like the little green seals mm. you can pick i don't know eight different pictures i've used those a couple of times on things like where i need um the stone uh, sword stone keys um, I've used those in because they're not marked on the map. So I've used yeah. that as like a little, I've used the one of a sword to, it's like when I get another like sword stone key, I need to come back here to try this area again. Um, I've probably only put two or three down so far. And I think you can put up to a hundred. So I'm, I haven't gone anywhere near in you know depth yeah. wise, but I've, yeah. And I found that useful as well. Yeah. I use a sword one for bosses that I haven't beaten. And then I replace it with mm-hmm. a skull once I've beaten them. <laughs> <laughs> um just so that anyone looking at Conquest. my map will really see all the all the death yeah. that i've that i've caused what do you think about the um the difficulty because uh on the bosses because um majit Margit, however you say it the, mm. he's been the toughest boss i think uh of the ones i've beaten he's been the most he was the most difficult ones he was the most difficult one to beat there's other bosses that i've not beaten that are, mm. that are harder but uh, of the ones i've beaten he was the most challenging godric comes godric is like the next proper boss main boss after him it seems right. and i found him much easier like it took me probably one third of the number of attempts to beat him as it did um <clears throat> margie and as i i think i mentioned before like i beat godric by whittling him down with the arrows at the end Mm. But with Margit, it's much harder to do that. You can't do that. Yeah, because yeah. like, and he just rushes you. Like, if you get a bow out, and it takes a little while to, to it's not like shooting a gun. Like, he has to reload yeah. the arrow, he aims, he shoots. Yeah. It takes a little while. He just rushes at you. Like, so you just can't really rely on that. Yeah. So I, 
I can understand. I can see why Margit might be the first barrier to progress for a lot of people. And I, and yeah, and I had to fight him several times. I did have the spirit summons thing, which I think definitely would have helped me uh, or it did help me and probably helped me more than it would help you given the way that you've described that you, you've built out your character because that served as a point of aggro for then Margit to go after. And then I could kind of go behind him and try and get a few hits in and, and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so he was hard. I would say somewhat ludicrously, I've actually had more... So to answer the question in terms of the difficulty, I found it to be pretty much boss-wise on par with some of the previous Souls games. There hasn't been... I don't think there's any that I've found incredibly frustrating. I think the fact that I can go into a boss fight in most situations, knowing that I can walk away from it, helps a lot in terms of with the frustration. I think also the way that you can respawn either at a, a site of grace which is the equivalent of the bonfires or a um, statue of marica which is just like a little mini checkpoint helps a lot with that because you can you can go up against it again and again and again with minimal backtracking if you want to or you can just say forget this i'm going somewhere else so that experimentation is and that system has led me to to experiment more and go off into areas that i'm probably not prepared for because it doesn't feel as punishing when i inevitably die sometimes rather you know ignobly to just a bunch of rats or something stupid um, yeah, just beaten gold godric and step around yeah, the corner and, and a rat a rat has killed me awesome so i've not had any particular problems with that what i've found found the difficulty has done the nature of the difficulty is highlight to me where my strengths and weaknesses lie because i had more trouble killing a um <laughs> This random knight in a room in Stormvale Castle, not a boss, just a standard enemy. And I went in there and it's like a trap situation. I won't spoil it too much, but just to say that there's you go into a room, there's this sort of trap situation and you get surprised the first time. Um, And that was more of a situation of banging my head against the brick wall than it was fighting the bosses that I have. Mm. Um, And I got quite bloody minded about it and was like, I'm going to beat this guy. And I don't think I even needed to, really. I just had to go in there to get a key. Um, But that has been and that's where there's been the most amount of backtracking that I found that it's not where you start. It's this side bit of Stormvale Castle and you have to go through a few enemies, not loads, but a few to get back to him. So it has that that very familiar souls experience to me of rushing to get back to that point that you were just at because you're like oh i really want to do this and then making mistakes on the way so then you end up in a worse position than you were the first time you tried to do it etc so the difficulty to all that to say the difficulty i found has been mostly of my own making um where i've been very determined to do a particular thing like you know almost bloody minded about it over actually getting stuck and not being able to progress anywhere because the world is so even very early on, the world is so wide. The breadth of the world mm. is huge. And so I have just gone off exploring places. I haven't got to a point where I've reached like multiple dead ends. And it's like, well, the only thing for me to do now is go back and try that boss that I've tried 50 times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if there's like a, it lulls you into a full sense of security in that way because you think, oh, I'm doing great. And then you go up against the boss and then you die repeatedly. I don't know, but that's... That's been my experience anyway. It's been, yeah, it's been like, there's just always something else to do. So yeah. I haven't found myself being frustrated yet. Yeah, I think I'm at like 
I don't know, there must be five or six like areas that I'm on the edge of, um, but I haven't explored yet. So mm. um, yeah, there's always five or six different different places I can I can go. I don't know how you play, but I like uh, yesterday or the day before recording this, like the um, I spent some time just racing around the map on my horse and just unlocking map pieces so now my mm-hmm. map is uh is filled in to quite a large extent but i don't have okay. on on a lot of the areas that i've i've unlocked um i don't have many or any sites of grace right. on there yeah. so i've um and i didn't really know what my intention was really I, but i was just i don't know i just wanted to like open up more stuff so that i've, yeah. I've just got the yeah. got everything there available yeah yeah um <clears throat> as and when as and when and i don't know i mean i've come across some enemies that are definitely like there were these giant lobsters <laughs> um, <laughs> and i wasn't expecting them to be so tough <laughs> um yeah and that was that was a bit of a mistake i should have just ran by them um but yeah so yeah i mean i've done a similar thing i have unlocked a certain amount of the map i have found that broadly by following the main path by which i mean like the in game path like if there is a worn road just from you know what would be in what would be traffic in the world as worn this path into the into the dirt by following that to get to one of the map places i have found kind of that i find at least one or two sites of grace in doing that and so then that just gives me sort of a, a a hub i suppose to then explore the area from and again if and when i die i'm just going back there so it's not a big deal um so yeah, I mean, I, I haven't. Yeah, I've got. I don't think I've got anywhere near Godric. I've only just started exploring Stormvale Castle, having got past this, <laughs> the, the toughest enemy in the game so far for me, which is this random knight in a room. Um, and yeah, but I've definitely gone wider than I have deep. Mm. And again, particularly in comparison to, and I think that that speaks to the world design that. I've always thought of the Souls games as being relatively open, not open world. I've never really considered them, you know, they're kind of built around hub areas. And there's also, it has that thing of, yes, you can go almost anywhere at the beginning of Dark Souls, but there's some places where it's very evident you're not meant to be going early in the game because you'll get killed in one hit by a random, just little enemy. Whereas this genuinely feels like, I I likened it when it first happened to, how it felt, and this sounds a bit cliche, but how it felt at the beginning of Skyrim all those years ago, the first time I actually played Skyrim, not, you know, having played it through a couple of times. Mm. But that opening bit where you come out of the tunnels and you're in the world and you're like, oh, I can basically go anywhere. I've got, mm. yes, I know I'm meant to be going to this place, but I can go anywhere. And that's what it felt like coming into coming out into the world in Elden Ring was I can go anywhere and in doing so I'm finding all this stuff. It feels very... It feels like a, a world that exists and has existed and has a there's reasons for things to be where they are that don't involve, well, we should give the player something to do every X paces or every X minutes. We should the player should have something to do. This feels like there's stuff to do because it's a world that exists. When which when I compare that to some open world games I've played recently, uh is just a is a class above mm. many classes above really um yeah well i think that's that's um i think that's really where the story of the game is isn't it and i think elden Ring is a great example of what's mm. possible in terms of creating a sense of narrative within the player when 
games rid themselves of trying to include or trying to base their narrative structure around other mediums like movies normally yeah um because like the real story here like yeah there's a story and yeah there are npcs and characters and you know they've got desires and whatever fears and and tensions and whatever else they've got but the real story here is the one that revolves around your actions your choices your successes your failures and how all of those combine to create something you know that's unique to you even though it's a Mm. shared context the actual actions and the things that you do are, are, are will be unique to you like no two players will ever do exactly the same thing in this game probably yeah. within 20 minutes there's no two players that have done the same well maybe not 20 minutes because that's the opening area but 20 minutes after going into the main world yeah. there's probably yeah. no two players that have done the same thing so it's interesting it's one of those games that's really interesting to talk about for that reason right because you're talking about a common framework but the actions and the activities and the choices that you've made are are different to everyone else so Mm. so then i think one of the great strengths of the game is that the game like you said that you're thinking about it when you're not playing it and we're talking about it now like one of the game's great strengths is in the life it has outside of it being played in that it's almost as fun to talk about it with people as it is to play it and see how what their story is and in how their mind has interpreted it and how their minds have made certain choices that are different to yours um and that's one of the yeah. great things that games have when they really embrace that kind of narrative structure um, that isn't just trying to copy other other mediums. And this is, you know, a great example of that. Yeah, oh, right. And it mean, it, yeah, and it does mean that you there is actual conversation, give and take, in the sense of infom- like trading information. I said, oh, yeah, I'm 10 hours into the game. You're 10 hours into the game. Let's have a chat. And our our experiences, as you say, are going to be very different. And we're going to have little bits of information to trade with each other about the game. And it's not just, yes, I've beaten X, Y, and Z bosses. um, And I'm this far along this path. It's like, well, I went here and found this random thing. And, oh, if if you've got that weapon, you might really want this particular Ash of War, which you can find here. And there's just like a load of little bits and pieces that you can trade with people that again yeah it does give it that kind of life outside of the game itself and that's a i don't there's there there isn't there hasn't been i think a game for quite a long time for me that has been that that feels like it fits itself to me uh because there's so much stuff to do like however i want to play there's stuff to do for for that place though if i no matter how clever i think i'm being you know i I get part way through the game and i've got a couple of swordstone keys and i think it occurs to me to go back and do that bit right at the beginning of the game where you need two of them to unlock this this mist wall and like what's down there and you're rewarded for for thinking about stuff for the choices that you make rather than just following a path rather than understanding that i'm going from a to b and I just follow that and then I'll be rewarded because that's the right way to play this game. That's the right path to go down. You're rewarded basically for whatever you do in some way, shape or form. And that's, yeah. well, I, it feels very liberating. So well, I can play the game how I want to play it rather than knowing that I'm meant to be doing this or meant to be doing that. Yeah. And I like that the game doesn't sort of, yeah, exactly. Well, the game fits itself to you, but it also doesn't pander to you. Because like I've done, hmm. what was it that I did? I can't remember what I did, but I beat an enemy and then I opened a chest, and then the chest, and it was like a tough enemy to beat, and um, a tough chest to find. And then when I opened it, 
it was some I can't remember what it was, but it was something relating to magic. So I'd just done all this stuff to mm-hmm. uh, to find this magic thing. I said, like, I'm never going to use that. But like, yeah. uh, but uh, but rather than it being annoying, it just makes uh, you know, it's like I'm just one part of this world the world isn't submitting yeah. itself to me yeah. and oh i picked a samurai therefore everything i get is going to be about the sword or the bow or yes. whatever like it's there's no sense of yeah i deserve something there's no set the game doesn't care about like well yeah i've just yeah and it, that might have been a boss that you you know banged your head against a brick wall and then you beat it you know like, right i can't wait to see what my my reward is for for that amount of effort and then as you say it's something that you can't use or aren't going to use and it's yeah and it gives you it kind of i think it it elicits a sense of place better than just i i am the player i expect this from this and that's what i get given it that doesn't happen here i'm still going around looking for something like that fits i want to dual wield flails is my particular uh flavor of the month at the moment but and i've been to places like that where i've fought things and i've got like a massive great axe and it's like well i'm just never going to use that but I'll keep looking. You know, it's like yeah. it was fun. The getting here was fun. The, it's made me a better player. It's done a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, there's a real, there's a real like sense of this is how the world has been designed in such a way that it's not trying to congratulate you or reward you for doing anything in particular. It's just it just exists for you to explore and and yeah, find your own reward basically rather than be given it. Yeah. Have you spent much time in the round table holds? Because I haven't spent as much time there as I did in like the graveyard in Bloodborne or the uh the Nexus in Demon Souls. Mm. But they're introduced in a very different way in those games. They're in, yeah. they're like front yeah, yeah. and center of like pretty much at the start. Uh whereas in this you've got a you know you've got to go well, through. I'm, yeah, I'm not even sure if the way that you unlock the round table hold is just through time or through getting to a particular story beat or what is, or if it's just like you've died 50 times, have access to the round table hold. So, so to speak to that idea of how it's introduced, it's not, it isn't framed as the big hub area, even though that is effectively what it is. Um, I've been back there a couple of times. I think has anything changed in the time? There's clearly a couple of spaces or a couple of corners or like a little desk or something where NPCs will appear once, I presume, once I find them in the world. Um, yeah. I don't think anything's changed yet. And there's a bunch of doors that I can't open or yeah. that don't open or, you know. Well, I won't say too um, much, but yeah. I gave someone an item. I, 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 I gained an item from the world, went to the round table holds, spoke to someone, gave them the item, and then that unlocks something else in the world rather, rather than the round table, yeah. rather than unlocking it inside that. the round table. Is it the death yeah. route? The death, death route, route yeah. yeah. And then that yeah. takes, have you been to that place? That, like, yeah, it's there's like a the far-flung corner of the map yeah. up in the yeah. right-hand, t- the northeast corner of the map. Yeah. When you've done, I was nowhere near it at that point, and I, yeah, then it, that unlocks that. And I went out into the world to have a look at the, the world up there and got, you know, quite quickly yeah, by that giant that's destroyed. at the gate. Uh, I ran. I actually got on one. Most of the times I've been up there three or four times. Three of the times I just went past him with no problem, and then one of the times he decided to stir and killed me very quickly. Yeah. But on the other times I've been out into the world, and there's these little imp things that the tiny are ones. pretty deadly. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like got un- a disproportionate number of hit points for what they look like, and they hit really hard. Um, yeah. So I explored around there. I mean, it's yeah, and then died a lot, and then decided to go somewhere else and 
So yes, get, yeah, that was a thing that you got through the death route, which has made me now want to go and find more of these yeah. death routes. I, um, I think that's an interesting, an interesting uh, sort of element to the game in that in how it shares its information because you don't know. I have no idea how big the world is. Absolutely no idea at all because I don't know what I, I. Well, I don't know what I don't know. You know. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that that uh, that whole map piece was there because when you bring up the map and you zoom all the way out, it's not it's quite ambiguous as to like what more mm-hmm. there is to have, and yeah. it's also yeah you you start unlocking stuff that's underground as well. So and it's, so so yep. that's not immediately obvious. So there's no sense of how big the world is. So you don't really st- still. I've played it. I don't know. I'm level thirty seven. I don't have many hours. I've played it, but the um still even uh, by the time you've played the game most open world games this much you know how big the world is or you know straight away how big the world is you might not have access to it immediately like in grand theft auto whatever like you know how big the world is you might not be able to access it all immediately but you know how big it is but in this just don't know how big the world is don't know how much is there to see um which creates a, a certain a certain i don't know what does it create it creates a it creates a sense of i don't know feeling lost in a way but like not lost as in don't know where to go but just lost as in you, like the, the the rules of the world are not shown yeah. to you like well, if, um, yeah that yeah and that feel yeah there's definitely a feeling it creates in me which is that the world is there for my character to explore not f- not for me as a player to get a very clear sense of like it's it's the the world even the way the map communicates that information it's not communicating it to me the player it's communicating it to my character because on something like you know more recently horizon forbidden west you you do get a sense quite yeah it's just early on more, of how big it? that world can be mm. yeah like it's oh and look it's all surrounded by mountains or whatever it might be surrounded by and oh here's a island off in this bit which i'm sure i'll be able to get to at some point or perhaps that will be you know dlc in some games you'll see that as um but yeah, here it's like, well, this is as my player, as my character explores the world, uh, that's how I get to learn about the world. And that's, that just feels good as well. It's like that sense of actual exploration of how how far does this go rather than, I think that it speaks to that thing that often I find, I think that I do, I think it's probably quite a common thing that when you're told in a video game that you have a lot of freedom in any given sense, one of the first things you want to do is test that limit. You want to test that freedom. If you're told that you can climb any mountain, then you want to find the mountains that you climb. And yes, you can climb them, but there's nothing there. Like it's basically featureless map because it was an empty promise. It was like, there's nothing here in the world for you as a player or a character. It's just, yes, you can mechanically climb any mountain. And here you can't do that. You can't test those boundaries as easily. You just keep exploring and you'll find pretty quickly where the bottlenecks are and some of that will be based on your own ability and some of that will be based on you need a certain item that you'll get from somewhere you know i've got like half a medallion for example at yeah the moment. i've got that the left half um probably <laughs> i don't know might maybe i found that and i know i just trust anyway. that i'll get the other half at some point and it's but so there's just yeah it's so kind of rich it feels like a game that exists or a world that exists for my character rather than for me as a player and that is uh, just feels refreshing it's mm. quite a nice position to be in to just go exploring and you know there's no wasted time in this game it's just i'll go and explore for an hour which quickly turns into three or four hours so yeah well yeah. along those lines i think we are out of time for this unfortunately but 
who knows we'll uh, play some more die some more do some check-ins yeah. i'm sure uh, yeah. do some podcast <laughs> check-ins as to how it's going um but yeah do get in touch with us we are at indie by design on twitter if you're uh playing elden ring you want to discuss elden ring you want to uh tell us which uh, which video game character you base your elden ring character on <laughs> um uh yeah we are at indie by design on twitter and on all social media networks and uh as many of you are sure to know we write and produce and publish books on video games which you can purchase for yourself at indie by design net otherwise thank you for listening and we will see you again on the next episode bye